Yes, welcome to, or welcome back to, the home of good news, weird anecdotes from history, and hopefully a few jokes on the way. Again, we've been inundated with loads of good news, but we'll get on to that later on. Firstly, I need to introduce the person that is with me today. He is as devilish as a Jack Russell, as cunning as the chief mouser at Downing Street, and also... He loves putting rats in his mouth and just shaking them all about. It's Buster. How you doing, mate? You all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I've been keeping well. I've been uh, writing lots of letters to BBC's points of view, um, complaining about how left-wing their political coverage is. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's because they've stopped replying to my emails now. Right. So, uh, if they don't respond to the letters, I'm going to try telegrams, <laughs> faxes, and carrier pigeons. <laughs> But not by rats, just, just, as you heard from my introduction. Uh, yeah, I did. I did basically say that you go around and and basically killing rodents for for fun. Yeah, with my bare yeah, with my bare teeth. Bare teeth. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's a. It's just a weird topic of discussion, isn't it? Like, oh, we're banning left wing news. What what is left wing? What are you talking about? I I don't, I don't understand mm. uh, any any of it. Like, what nice stuff? Stuff that's true. What 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 are you what are you trying to do? Um, but yeah. Like, well, I'm having none of it, and wait till they see some of these letters. But that's but that's why we're here, right? We're here to give yeah. the nice side of the news to be able to give people, no matter whether you're left wing or right wing, positive news and in a positive yeah. fashion. The emotional vaccine to a diseased world. That's nice. I like that. that yeah, should... that's good. I just thought of that, that as well. We should yeah. put that on a little T-shirt or something. Yeah, we should definitely have that as our motto. What we should do is uh, we should get on with the first bit of good news of the week. Yeah. The first bit of good news is that Australia is set to ban biodegradable plastics. They have pledged uh, to get serious uh, about the kind of plastic pollution and they basically stated that the the original thought around biodegradable plastics and the promise that it would just degrade is not actually smart it's actually not conventional anymore at all and so they are set to follow in china uh, capri in italy and some grocery stores in amsterdam uh, kind of uh, way of banning all these kind of biodegradable plastics and hopefully they can create some more sustainable plastics in the future for obviously our foods and drinks and stuff yeah the thing about these biodegradable plastics is they like degrade or disappear in the same way that a parent does to a two-year-old child when they cover their face you know (laughs) like it's still there it's just you know it's just really small bits of plastic that are now you know in your blood your food your environment yeah exactly and and we i think we discussed before about how much microplastics are in the water in the rain and all that Mm. kind of stuff and everywhere so um bad news yeah it's a good thing and and hopefully more countries are set to follow in their footsteps yeah that's excellent yeah. well i've got another bit of plastic related news for you on to the next bit of good news uh new york are set again uh well basically they've, they've struck a deal to legalize recreational cannabis they did a poll earlier on and six percent of new yorkers voted that it should be legalized so they're basically setting plans and they've struck a deal to to legalize it and make sure that 
it is implemented properly. We're very much for the legalization of of drugs on this podcast, as long as it's done right. It's not just letting everyone loose with loads of heroin, uh, but being able to control uh, the drugs, making sure people know what they're taking, because we know from previous attempts to try and stop people from drinking in the US that led to moonshine and a lot of people dying. Prohibitions don't really work yeah. and people are going to get the drugs no. if they want to anyway so you might as well control it, make sure it's pure, make sure it's real and then uh, move on to the next uh, gig where you know you can tax the hell out of it and uh, get some money yeah. into to fund schools and libraries and stuff so you know the mm. money comes back around again. Yeah the Americans uh, have got a lot of states that have uh, legalised uh, weed and, and- the tax money that that brings in now is is mind-boggling there's already sort of unfortunately corporate monopolies appearing for the production and sale of it but mm. it is uh, it's staggering how much it's it's hundreds of millions so uh, some good news from a city in uh, near chicago illinois uh, called evanston they're making reparations to or making reparations eligible for black residents for what it's described as harm caused by discriminatory housing policies and practices and inaction on the city's part. This is a, a, probably a first anywhere and it's a great direct way of addressing some of the massive inequalities that housing policies have. I mean this is something that is a big problem here in the UK too uh, but it's particularly particularly pronounced in the US where the, the difference in household incomes can be vast between black and white households and those households tend to be concentrated in particular geographic areas by design because of discriminatory housing policies that prevent African Americans from uh, applying for loans or moving as rental or owners into certain areas. And this uh, Everston City Council voted 8 to 1 recently to approve this uh, reparations restorative housing program. and qualifying households could get up to $25,000 US for down payments, home repairs and yeah it's probably the first of its kind in the world it's a a fantastic thing and hopefully a template for others like a lot of the good stories we talk about here something groundbreaking that hopefully others can take the lead from. And a lot of the money came from uh, the the taxation of, of cannabis right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah linking that previous story Perfectly. Perfectly. It's just simple segues. Yin and yang. Simple, nice segues. That's what it's all about in this it's podcast. Smooth. Smooth as it's hell. Smooth good news. <laughs> it's coming smooth. in your ears. Hey, it's smooth. Mm. Mm. It's a Rick Astley coming up. <laughs> <laughs> On to the next bit of good news. New Zealand have now approved paid leave after miscarriage. So this uh, was unanimously passed by lawmakers to essentially give paid bereavement leave for workers that have suffered miscarriage. Uh, This is for both uh, males and females. They are entitled to three days leave after miscarriage under the law and uh, it's essentially going to be given by royal assent soon and it's set to pass. It's very compassionate. It's something that touches a lot of people's lives. I've got a contender for uh, New Zealand's crown of being uh, uh, like just a cracking place, Glasgow. So the uh, next bit of news story, next bit of good news is about them. So the UN's climate change conference that they hold every year, the COP26, uh, has been held in the UK in Glasgow. And there's been some 
sort of rather negative press recently actually about the UK government and some decisions they've made about energy infrastructure like approving some oil um, gas exploration and a coal power station and some other completely counter to the Paris Agreement sort of decisions but Glasgow has been bucking the trend against the direction of the UK government and which is one of the reasons why it's been chosen to hold COP26. Glasgow has uh, reached its 30% reduction target in CO2 emissions five years early. So in wow. 2020, it had this target to be, and it hit it by 2015. And it's not taken its foot off the gas, as it were, since then. Um, and ha! declared in 2019, <laughs> they declared in Glasgow a climate emergency and have been using that uh, sort of as an impetus to do massive uh, sort of retrofits to infrastructure to reduce the carbon of public services of heating in public buildings replace lights with leds where they can solar panels and they've got a, a target to uh, reach a net zero for the entire city um which is which is incredible really the there's, there's a few a few places around the world that operate like this you know this sort of vision but glasgow is up there up there with the it. The leading contender. Invested with, loads in yeah, cycling yeah, yeah. walking, yeah. Actually, they're, 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 you know, not just saying something, but putting the money where the mouth is and actually doing something about it. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, exactly. well, you know, France was the same, you know, but they're, they're being, you know, a lot of protests about they're not actually going far enough um, mm. and actually reducing it at all. Um, so that's amazing. Have you been to Glasgow before? Never been up to Scotland quite a few times. It's oh, obviously not that Glasgow's... far away from where I grew up, but I've heard it's really nice. Glasgow's friendly awesome. city, people say. Oh, amazingly friendly. They're amazing. I do love at the moment the um, means testing that the Scottish Parliament are doing. Like they've been doing it for about two years now, and they're basically just watching England do something, and if they get it wrong, they go and do something else or something slightly different, or if they do it right, they just then implement it. So, like, you'll always see, like, you know, when they're bringing back schools, they brought them back a week earlier because everyone wanted the schools back. Uh, they um, yeah. wanted to put out the vaccines to the under 50s. Well, they went a bit further. They, they, they've gone and done a little bit more. Uh, same with the, the climate change. A pay they, rise for nurses they did as well. Pay rise for nurses. That was one. They've done 4% rather than 1%. So, like, they just, they just use England as a mean testing, do a bit of A-B testing. See how it goes down. If you don't right. go down well, they change it a little bit and they uh, make themselves a little bit bit better. It's a brilliant tactic. I love it. I think I think yeah. it's brilliant. And you would. It's done well for Scotland. They seem to be doing all right. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Okay, cool. On to the next uh, bit of good news and my last bit of good news this week. There has been a library set up in Pennsylvania called Fresh Start. And Fresh Start is a program and a library that helps incarcerated people to basically digitise themselves and get back into the real world. As you can imagine, if someone went into jail 30 years ago, uh, you know, even when I was younger, I, I didn't get my first... I don't remember mobile phones being about, and I sound really old when I'm saying this, but I don't remember mobile phones being about readily available as they are now. So if someone's been locked up for the past 30 years, they're not going to know how to use a, a computer fully, have an email address, uh, utilising technology. They don't have these means. So Fresh Start in Pennsylvania has been set up to help people digitise themselves, get used to new technologies, so that they can, you know, basically rehabilitate themselves to come back into a into a society that has 
you know, moved uh, a lot on since they last were in it. So I think it's really, really cool. I think it's a nice thing to get them back on track. And, you know, mm. this fresh start sounds like an amazing program, an amazing library to be part of. Good news story for me this week and final one for this week. It, it's, a, it's kind of a historical point and a check-in on something. So... Costa Rica is a nation we've mentioned in the environmental context quite a few times on the podcast because it's um, it's quite, not without its flaws, but quite a progressive nation and an environmentally conscious nation. One of the reasons for that is part of its constitution that it uh, formally codified in the 90s says that everyone in Costa Rica has a human right to uh, a healthy environment around them. So that pollution and uh, you know environmental degradation, uh, those sorts of deforestation and those things, they're not uh, perhaps corporate or criminal negligence or health and safety issues. It's a human right that's being breached, which of course makes it very important uh, constitutionally. And that's been the case in this country for quite some time. As I say, it was done in the 90s, but it's been a really as I said before in one of the other stories that some of our good news stories are so good because while they may be small and focused on just a few people they're often a template for greater things to happen and for yeah. a light to spread around the world and Costa Rica and this environmental human right is, is just one of those things 110 nations have since recognized this human right to a healthy environment because really particularly with something like global warming that we're, that we're facing is an international global issue. It cannot be tackled by single nation or even group of single nations. So for, for this to be recognized by 110 countries is a great step forward. There's some real big major offenders. I'm looking at you, US, China, who haven't signed up to this or recognized it. <laughs> but mounting pressure is the way that these things will change. It has to become a completely normal and recognize thing that humans have a right to a healthy environment to live. So this was just, uh, this story really is just a, a recognition of you know something, something good. It's starting small, becoming something big. I think it's like a there's a quote yeah. from Edmund Burke, something along the lines of the biggest mistake anyone could ever make is uh, not doing anything because all, the only thing they can do is something small. You shouldn't be put off just by being a nation as small as Costa Rica from doing the right thing and dreaming big because if you did nothing that would be way worse 100% so That's good on really, Costa Rica for this it's a really nice way to finish off this segment really to be honest with that, that little monologue there because it is so true a bit true. of Berkey wis- wisdom and although uh, we uh, do focus on a lot more of like the kind of uh, uh, yeah the bigger news stuff that you know puts into law and and little bits that could really change our lives we do know that there's so many people out there doing you know challenges and and raising money for charities and having you're doing those little things and you know hat off to you really to be honest because it's amazing that even that little difference can make a big change but in the meantime that is enough of the good news and i hope that you enjoyed that part but I am really looking forward to this uh, next point because it's Buster Story Time. The story this week, there's a credit for Martin for sending in this fantastic story to us. This is precisely up our street. I enjoyed reading the story immensely. I very much enjoyed 
writing it down and researching it and I hope that Martin you enjoy listening to it and Callum you enjoy the uh, well the the story of an unsung World War II hero Claude Barlow thank you very much for actually sending this in because Buster has been very, very excited about this story all week, so I'm very, very excited to, to hear <laughs> exactly what is happening. So, and you know what? If you guys want a shout out on the podcast, then please do send us any stories that you have, because Buster has definitely got off on this story. So follow us, <laughs> follow us on at that's news to me pod on Instagram, and just send us your stories, and you'll have a little shout out on the podcast. And you'll end up, you know, being a part of it, which uh, we always want to have with, with our audience members. So, very, very excited. Let's let's crack on. It's a great story. So, this is a story, as I mentioned, about a war hero. So, during the 1940s, the the Allies, so US, UK, and some of the European nations who were against the axis of Germany and Japan. Don't forget India, Italy. and don't forget India. Yeah. Yep, the, ma- the massive amount of the Commonwealth countries involved too. Canada, which was a Commonwealth country at the time Australia. as well. Australia. But all of these countries were spending a lot of money on scientific projects that might help the war effort. So like the Manhattan Project, the one that led to the US building the first nuclear weapons. And for a bit of information about this, uh, we were looking up the cost of the Manhattan Project. So in 1945, uh, after the project had been running for a couple of years, the cost of that was just short of two billion dollars, one point eight nine billion US dollars. At the which, time, at the time. So in today's money, that's wow. twenty one point seven billion dollars. So big money, and that was just one project. Um, uh, for a bit it's of context, probably about the money that we spend on Trident, though, isn't it? We spend tri- spend a lot of money on Trident as well. Yeah, nuclear crazy? weapons are a money pit. Yeah, um, for a bit of context, for a similar sort of big project, the Channel Tunnel uh, cost. Uh, 12, 16 billion dollars by today's standards in US dollars sort of thing so it's wow. it's a huge project and you know when we built the channel tunnel the the UK and France knew what they were getting they knew they were going to get a tunnel between you know England and France when they built the Manhattan project and had that they had no idea whether the bomb Not would work or if it did that it might possibly set fire to the atmosphere and destroy all life on earth and right. they still chucked a couple of billion dollars at it why so, not and I think you find that a lot like you know you do find this all the time stupid kind of projects that you know just remember the garden bridge for example how much did that swallow I know nowhere near the ton of two billion that we're talking about but people do this all the time but the fact that it it literally created one of the most destructive things of all time uh, has ruined a lot of people's lives Uh, it doesn't sound like the best move when the channel tunnel really it just made English people and French people meet that's quite a nice little thing. Yeah, isn't it? it's a lovely. Love the Channel yeah. Tunnel. Big fan yeah. of it. Yeah, so, yeah so there's a lot of these big projects around at the time. So that that <laughs> is just one to name we, I, one I'm of sorry, many the Manhattan Project. Just a little bit from the producer corner. Mm. Apparently, he said ruined lives is the understatement of the century when it comes to. Yeah, the, that's the, the true. Bump. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking, uh, we're now coming live from Nagasaki. Um, <laughs> how would you describe your afternoon? Well. It's ruined. It's ruined my afternoon, really. <laughs> Is there even anyone to interview? Tell you what, this hat's ruined. <laughs> but let's just, you know, I think we can all agree, nuclear weapons, you know, not a playground. 
Not, not, no. not nice. No. no. But by all means, not the only invention to come out of this period of, of, of history. So there's loads of money spent on, on inventions and scientific advances in the times, like computers, for example. The first electronic computers were built and developed during the war. There's tons yep. of stuff. You got any things you happen to know about, like wartime inventions? Radar was pretty sick. Like, it was really yeah. good. And, and the Germans That's didn't cool. know how the hell we could do that. And then the other thing is the invention that carrots could help you see better <laughs> because of radar. So there was a fighter pilot, I think, was, was quoted saying, how did you see Germans in the dark? And they were like, oh, because I ate my carrots. And everyone was like, ah, carrots are really good for you seeing now. And then everyone thinks it's still carrots are good yeah it was like just wartime with... propaganda wasn't it to try yeah it was it was the, wartime uh, propaganda and i think that's, that is probably my favorite invention radar and then the fact that carrots were given the credit <laughs> for it yeah yeah <laughs> the like british carrot board was <laughs> lobbied really heavily i think that's exactly why we love carrots i think that's exactly yeah. the reason why imagine if the world would be a different place if it was parsnips <laughs> 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 My God, I like the sliding doors of history. <laughs> Continuing on our discussion here about scientific research, we're talking about World War II pushing the line of scientific discovery a, a leap forward. The the technology and the, the things that were developed during the Second World War changed the world. Um, and one physician wanted to be one of those guys. So in 1944, Dr. Claude Barlow was he's a medical physician and he was studying a dangerous and infectious disease that he was particularly worried would be picked up by US soldiers serving in Egypt. There's a lot of fighting in North Africa and particularly in Egypt protecting the Suez Canal. So our hero Claude Barlow he was worried about the US forces serving in Egypt uh, and there's a, a dangerous disease caused by a parasite over there and he was worried about people bringing this parasite back to the US and it infecting snails. Why would you be why would you be looking after the snail population? It's not like the kind of like the hierarchy of kind of populations in the world. <laughs> snails probably comes right down in the bottom kind of it's the one that we probably least community, care about. Yeah, yeah exactly. We, we do care. I think slugs about. are the only ones worse because at least like slugs are like homeless snails, aren't they? Well, no one cares about the homeless. That's a good question. Less so what with you, mollusks. What do you call a slug in a shell? Squatter. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yes, you're right. It's still a slug. To the slug, um, because the snail needs the shell to protect its vital organs, rather than the slug has really thick skin to protect its vital organs. So it's a, hmm. it's all in one. Um, an analogy I, would be like it's really sad keep... that I know about slugs. <laughs> I I have an affinity with slugs. I know really? a lot of slug facts. Yeah, like each slug trail is a completely different smell, and they're better at homing. How than pigeons. would you know that? In fact, I actually forget I asked that question. I've sniffed them all. <laughs> sniffed them all. <laughs> sniffed them. Um, but that's My how they God. know. That's how they know to come back to the right place um, because they, they they know their own smell. So if you throw them away, like you just lob them over the fence, they'll it'll, it'll take them ages, but they'll come back to the same spot. There's no they'll point. Follow the smell yeah. of the 
Just let them through. live in your back garden. Let them, let them enjoy their lives. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my yeah. slug fact well, for you. Well, you may have this affinity with uh, Dr. Barlow. He was trying to protect uh, US snails. Although, I have even given you half the information. The reason he was trying to protect or worried about the snails was because this particular disease is called schistosomiasis. Which hey, working I'm going on that all day. to struggle through. Oh, yes. It has been let's phonetically spelled word. out in my notes. Let's think of a different word right now so it's easier for you. Um, well, I can help you with this. One of the common names of this disease is big belly, which is a lot easier. Let's go for that. Let's go for the big belly disease. Enjoy so, it. So, hang on, do I have big Boom, nailed it a second time. <laughs> no, no. And, and not as far as... Are you I, sure? No. Because I, I, I have sure a big belly. Okay. Well, actually... We can check back on that because I can give you some of the symptoms because we do go into some detail about big belly disease. Okay. Cool. So this disease was really, really common. It was, um, it, it's even today regarded as probably the second most uh, dangerous disease in terms of impact to only to malaria. It currently still affects about 200 million people today. Wow. And it's caused by these parasitic worms that are from the schistosoma genus. They're called flukes, basically fluke worms. And the the life cycle of this parasitic worm, because a parasite by nature can't live on its on its own, it has to have a host in order to yep. complete its life cycle in some way, and that's where snails come in. So they they infect and cause this disease in humans, but they need to have an intermediate intermediate host in snails. So without snails being present, they can't the eggs that are produced when they're hosted in a human don't have anywhere to go and don't grow up to become the, the adult worms that cause the infection and the disease. So the reasoning behind Claude having this uh, interest in the snails is that if he could establish whether the worms could infect US snails, this disease could take a hold in North America. It could be brought back permanently to the US by soldiers serving over there. So that's why he was trying to study them. So he was actually trying to save lives by studying this, but snails right. was the focus of his research. He wanted to make sure that this fluke worm that was found in Egypt couldn't infect American snails. So basically, that, just so I can keep up with the podcast, because mm-hmm. um, yeah, this is actually this is for the listeners. This isn't for me to keep up with. Yeah. This is for the <laughs> listeners. So he has a he he can see that. Out in the Suez Canal, there are worms getting infected by this disease, and possibly if if they can infect the soldiers, the soldiers can pull it back. But actually, there's also snails in the USA that possibly could get infected by this too. And if they can get infected, then there could possibly be a pandemic of big belly disease within the USA. So he's trying to make sure exactly. that they don't get fully infected, so that then they end up. Uh, not killing people basically and, and saving people's lives. Exactly. That, that's where yeah, we're at. So, okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. And this disease is quite bad. You know, it, it's uh, so the humans who are transporting these fluke worms, the, the parasites, they can survive in the body for like 10 or even 30 years. But the, and actually, this probably should be a trigger warning for anyone who finds uh, things like gross body things off putting. I mean, just skip to the last five minutes where we round up. In fact, maybe even the last 30 seconds when we ask you to share this with your friends. Skip all of this bit because this gets very biological. And detailed. So, I'm hoping yes. the detail. Come on, bring us detail. Graphic. 
does someone shit themselves? Bring it just to te- me. Te- tell me someone shits themselves. Oh, buddy. It's oh. it's all in here. We've got it every we've got everything Let's for you this it. week. Let's go for it. So the parasites when they're in the human body, they sexually reproduce. That's that part of the life cycle. So they produce eggs. Thousands, even millions of eggs. And this is asexually um, though, from being a It's sexually. So like inside your body so two have very to get white in music. There. Do two have well, to get in quite there? Quite often that is the case, yeah. And they, God, no, they, because that's the, the worst, eggs are hatched. Isn't it? One getting in here is bad enough, but two get in there. What are you doing, mate? But we, but you end up with potentially millions. Like yeah. it gets out of hand fast. And because of all these eggs and worms just like knocking about inside you, this causes loads of inflammation because your immune system reacts to the eggs and to the worms. And where it doesn't, you just have fucking eggs all over the place. So it can constrict blood flow and it often tends to, because of the way they enter the body through like ingestion and things like that, they often tend to infect parts of the body connected to your digestive system. So bladder, liver, but also even lungs and heart. So like they get everywhere and depending on the part of the body and how much you're infected can cause loads of weird, horrible effects. So it's not a nice disease. So in trying to stop this disease from, you know, harming more people Claude Barlow is uh, you know he's, he's, he's pursuing the greater good really here so what our brave protagonist does he has some American snails sent over to Egypt in the post so he can try and do some experiments on them he's based up in Cairo Royal Mail uh, crazy yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well I mean, how do you? Th- have you got a prediction as to what would happen if you tried to post a box full of snails? I just don't think that anything would happen, would it? Especially from the UK. The UK has a notoriously shit mail service, so I think they just wouldn't get there. They didn't make it because they're oh. coming all the way from the US. So the snails kept dying. I mean, no one was feeding these poor buggers. It was just a, a box of snails turning up. And by the time it got there, it would have been... As Egypt's hot as shit as well, so by the Shriveled. time they turned up, it would be like a cooked box of goo and shells it would be oh. a bisque a snail bisque they would they were just dried up wouldn't they and to be fair yeah i think you maybe have like a sort of a snail raisin yeah yeah and that and that's not what i want from my snails you know i want no. garlic garlic no. proper good yes. sauce you know <laughs> i want accoutrement you know i, I want a yeah. nice healthy amount of escargot you know proper good yeah. juicy bit of escargot i don't want shriveled up stuff in a shell no no, and and if you're trying to do science on them, you want neither of those things. You just want a living snail. I mean, yeah, probably well, I just... fair better if you just put a stamp on the shell and tried to send it that way. So basically, with all, the, all these snails arriving dead, he realised the only way he was going to be able to study these fluke worms on the American snails was to transport the worms in a human host to America. And he knew just the guy for the job. Hey, to make a cake, you got to break some eggs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> would would you? This is you know. Would you do this if you knew that you could save hundreds, if not thousands, of lives? Would you do something really dangerous to help no. other people? No, no, I'm alright. <laughs> That's all probably right. why we're podcast people and not doctors or Buster, pilots. Buster, Buster, <laughs> I've almost died enough. You know, I think third time's a charm on these That's things. That's true. 
Yeah, I've almost you died twice now. I'm alright, thanks. I don't want to do the third time. Uh, the third time you could I be the lab assistant. is when I'm like 90, 100 years old and I actually do yeah, die. That's the, that's the third time lucky for me. I, I'm alright. I think I'm going to stay away from that stuff. But you know what? If other people are going to do it, it's kind of like the army, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like I'd never join the army. I'd never be Someone's kind of person. It. But you know what? It's nice that someone does feel that strongly towards it. But for me... I'm all right just sitting here and pointing at things and, and, and talking about them. <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> well, this guy, Dr. Claude Barlow, he, he wasn't uh, content to sit on the fences. He saw the war. He saw the, the, you know, the dangers of parasitic infections. And he realized that this was the only way to do it. And he volunteered himself for this job. The oh, reason he did that is nice. because... He liked sticking snails up his ass? <laughs> that was, that was... Pretty much. So, back in 1908, uh, some some sort of 35, 40 years previously, when he was first studying medicine, he was uh, on a, a sort of mission to China and he discovered that half the patients he was treating over there were infected by a particular infection caused by a fluke worm. Very similar to the one we're talking about here in, in Egypt. And in some in some villages that he uh, visited, every single resident was carrying the parasites, you know, maybe not suffering from the disease, but had the parasites in their bodies. So he was so concerned by this, he took a year-long sabbatical at the London School of Tropical Medicine to study parasites, then returned to China with the information he got from this extra training and this now energized sort of focus. He studied the the life cycle of these parasites and looked at the lives of the people in this village in China and realized that they were using feces to fertilize farm fields and then the food being harvested from the fields was infected with the larvae, the eggs and larvae of these parasitic worms from the shit because that's how it normally comes out, Yeah. the eggs. Um, and then people were peeling and touching this food with their hands and mouths and so people were reinfecting oh, themselves these parasites so they constantly. they were washing it before they were eating it. Yeah, and also just using human feces to fertilize fields. It seems like yeah. a really good idea, is that you're closing the loop and you've got nitrogen in there and stuff. But actually, the problem with that is human pathogens in food, which is you lived on. You lived on a good. farm. Did you ever hear the? Because people always used to say, because I lived near kind of loads of farm fields and stuff, and I grew up. People be like, mm. oh, it smells like poo really badly because they're using human feces. Well, I know the difference between human feces and a cow pat. It's like, no, you don't. It all just smell horrible. What are you talking about human feces for? We did used to shit on the field all the time. There was a special um, <laughs> adaptation for the tractor. It was like a toilet seat that you clipped onto the back of the tractor. You would just sit on it and you'd just be driven around the field, just scatterbombing the thing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm afraid to confirm those rumours. Yeah, that's that's all completely true. That does happen. If you've ever eaten Witterbix, um, <laughs> crunchy nut cornflakes... Or frosted shreddies, you've definitely ingested a little bit of human shit. That's of just your a fact. shit. Of My your shit. Nice. Farms. <laughs> <laughs> We're all about the facts, son. That's news to me. <laughs> Here's where we get to um, Claude's interest in parasites, perhaps going above and beyond the regular call of duty as a physician. He decided uh, to test whether these adult fluke worms might be a source of infection, whether they could, if ingested, produce eggs in the body he, it hadn't been discovered normally it was the larvae being ingested so he wanted to test it so he decided to swallow an adult fluke worm against probably all good sense 
he did it in the dark because he didn't want to look at what he was eating. <laughs> Which, I feel like that's not going to take the edge off what is essentially a worm grown in human shit. I, yeah. I mean, at least give it a rinse. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't sound great, but I probably, if 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 given the choice, I probably would go for a for, for that. I would lights off. Like, oh. oh yeah, I mean, if if that's the only decision you have in this process. By the way, he had loads. One of which was don't eat the worm. <laughs> but if the only decision you were given is lights on, lights off, then hey, yeah, mate, sure. Hey, look, he's a scientist, and he wants. You know what? The best kind of scientists do the experiments on themselves. So I'm, I'm all up yeah. for this. I'm exactly. Fair. Yeah, the smallpox vaccine person. Yeah, they like exactly. tested it out on. Actually, no, they tested it out on local milkmaids or something, didn't they? Will Smith and Legend. Do you know what I mean? That's yes, Will weird. Smith and Legend. Exactly. This this dude Claude is making a real Will Smith Legend move here. And so he, he ended up being kind of rewarded for this. He discovered that, um, yes, they could produce the eggs. He produced many uh, eggs in his poo for a period of an entire year before taking a course of drugs to get rid of the parasites. And he helped, like, build the body of scientific work around this right. this particular fluke worm. So yeah. back to the, the main story of Claude in Cairo working on these Egyptian fluke worms. He'd got away with it in China, so what he decided to do was over the course of three weeks or so, he dosed himself, infecting himself with the fluke worms by putting the adults on his skin, which is the way that they would infect people, so they would lay eggs and ingesting the, the eggs and larvae, and he did this continually to make sure that he had enough, because what he didn't want to do was to turn up in America um, empty, well not handed, but empty boweled, empty I guess. Egged. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> zero egg. He wanted to make uh, sure the eggs were firmly within his system. Yeah, so he, he also had an ins- <laughs> he had an insur a rather ins- unusual insurance plan as well, and that he also infected a baboon, which he took with him. <laughs> which he took with him. <laughs> he took with him. <laughs> Just tell and here's the best bit. He <laughs> took. Well, actually, if you were going to take a parasitically infected baboon <laughs> to the United States from from Cairo, how would you take it? What do you think is a sensible way to take a parasitically infected baboon? I would, I would put a hat on him. I would dress him <laughs> up in human clothes and just sit there, like like he was my mate. Incredibly close to the mark. Incredibly close. To the, mark. the answer is take them on a commercial airline flight. <laughs> so oh my god! Just flew dress him in human clothes. That's what I would do. Yeah, to avoid detection. Yeah, <laughs> forge passport papers for him. So this this baboon's called Billy, um, which was apparently after the guy Billy the uh, baboon. Bill Hartz. Yeah, apparently Billy Bill Hartz is the guy who discovered the disease, and but Billy the baboon just sounds good, doesn't it? It does. I agree. He took him on a plane over to the US. Uh, a lovely little detail to the story here. Apparently, Billy escaped on the plane <laughs> and terrorised the passengers. <laughs> you would strap that shit down, and you would be like, I know, right? Mental patient, mental patient. Right. Well, when you've got like a kid sitting behind you and they're like kicking your seat, you know, that's annoying. But it's a whole different level having a loose yeah, baboon. baboon's jumping around, then taking out his own shit and just throwing it at everybody. <laughs> and then finding out that that shit that's been flung around is infected with thousands, <laughs> nay, millions of parasitic worms <laughs> that may or may not present a danger to, the, to your health. Within days of him arriving back in the US, he started having like sweating and dizzy spells his appetite almost completely disappeared 
he was getting pretty sick. But then things then take a turn for the worse. They get much worse. So this is a this is going on. These parasites affect you for a long time. As I said before, they can live in your body for thirty years even, and so this takes quite a while to to come on as this like this disease, this infection. So three months into this saga, his scrotum starts exuding serum. Is the term used in the medical paper describing this? Which I think the best way to picture this is um, a, a, a translucent fluid just sort of like seeping from the pores of the skin. I... Sort of a, like a gooey sweat. So he tested this stuff that was leaking from his balls and found eggs balls? from the worms. From his balls? His scrotum. Oh my god! I'm so sorry. Are you thinking rectum here? I thought you yeah, said... No, yes. this, isn't, this isn't a leaky bomb. Oh my this god, is no! I thought it's bag. a leaky bomb. Oh my god. Oh it's, my god. There's like goo seeping from the skin of his, from his ball bag. balls. Yeah. I thought you meant I thought you meant his sphincter. But my god, his balls. This is dental. <laughs> Hang on a minute. His balls. <laughs> <laughs> wow, his balls. That sounds horrendous. What and, kind of oh. Yeah. Oh, was it yeah. like all filled as well? Was it like like bursting at the edges all sorts of horrible things going on he 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 took some of this stuff and put it under a microscope and discovered that there was eggs from these fluke worms in that goo so they were like leaking out of his skin How there was that many so one can assume skin? that his How balls up... were completely stuffed with the stuff oh my god like something coming through the skin that is mental yeah that and this is actually one of his discoveries because the yeah, I'm sure it would be. I'm sure it would be one of his discoveries. Normal way of getting out the body. No one since has ever had stuff leaking out their balls <laughs> no. without there being a hole there. This is so no wrong one, and weird. <laughs> no one would see that and go like, "This is okay." <laughs> no, no, no one's no, 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 no. Yeah, this so is, like, I, I, I even want to check out. You told other people to check out the podcast. I think I want to check out at this point in time. This is so weird. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, there's... there's, there's Leaky there's ball syndrome. There's a little bit more, I'm afraid. Ah, oh, no. Well, I don't mind things if it, coming if, out... Of, if listeners, this is too much for you. coming out of orifices that things come out of. You know, like the mouth, the bum hole. Good, because there's some of that too. The urethra. <laughs> That's fine with me. But stuff coming out of places where there is no hole, that's... That's that's too much for me. I think I'm gonna be sick. That's that's. <laughs> wow. Well, his ball sack, like, what through the cracks in this ball sack? Through the pores in his skin. So oh my he was... god, that is yeah. just. Oh my god. So he yeah. was basically walking around with like a a water balloon, was he? Just attached to uh, him. Yeah. <laughs> Full of eggs. I mean, it, it is it is an important discovery, I guess, in a way, because you know the the normal vehicle for parasitic worms is to leave the body in the urine or the feces, and that, like we mentioned before, in that field in China where they were fertilizing it with poo, that's how the the larvae were getting out. But this is a new way of, of potentially passing on the infection, so a discovery, nonetheless. Um, unfortunately, a discovery that he would have to write up in his scientific notebook. You're being as, so nonchalant about this, like. <laughs> well, you've got to be as a scientist. You've got to have a certain sort of, you know, 
sang froid. And you know, could sum this discovery up as some goo started coming out of my ball sack today. I looked at it under a microscope and it was full of worms. That's pretty much how you could sum up that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it does get worse, I'm afraid. They well, I think, I think we know the, the title of the podcast, don't we? I didn't know you could have a leaky ball sack. That is literally going to be the title. <laughs> There's no... You have to go with that one. There's no other different one that we could go for. Well, did you also know that you can have brown semen? Oh, no! Diarrhea <laughs> <laughs> so, coming yeah. out of your fucking... They weren't just coming out the skin. They were oh. causing hemorrhaging inside his bollocks, mixing with the semen. So that's why it was brown. It was blood and oh, eggs no. and semen, no. creating a sort of like probably the most disgusting cocktail you've ever drunk. Well, but you know what? Last <laughs> week, <laughs> can I have a Bloody Mary, please? Wait, which oh, one? Oh no! Don't ruin Bloody Mary for me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ruin Bloody Mary. That's my favourite drink. Um, so, Not anymore. On. No. But the, last last week, we were talking about the humanity. So if anyone wants to go back and listen to that, we're talking about a guy that did things to other people and was trying to get them, you know, pregnant by um, chimpanzee sperm. And thankfully, it didn't happen. But that that's one side of things. So the fact that this guy has gone to the trouble of doing this to himself, uh, <laughs> mate, he's a hero in my eyes, and I don't think much will change right? from that side of things. Like he 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 put himself through this, and what a legend! Um, but fuck me, he this is awful. A lot. This is awful. And, and like I would like, <laughs> I, I I had the jab like two like a week and a half ago, and I thought. Wow, I'm 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 a hero. Like I've done a lot for society, you know. I've <laughs> I've put myself through that, and I was shivering for about three hours, and that was it. The guy is leaking out his ballsack. He is sperming brown sperm, and no, ma- and then <laughs> amongst that, other things as well. Like what a hero! He's you know what? He's yeah. up there with one of my favourite people of all time. <laughs> What a legend! He's putting himself through brown sperm, and you know what? How are you gonna? How are you gonna explain that to a woman? How are you gonna explain that? She's yeah. You know, something's happened, you know, and they're using the pull-out method. He's pulled out, bang, because otherwise, you know, inside it's all right, but pulled out, bang, on a, on a on a stomach, <laughs> and she's gone. Why is it brown? <laughs> what do you say? What do you say? And why is your scrotum filled up like a water balloon? That's another question as well. Why is it leaking? Why is your belly so big? <laughs> it's a man bod. The big belly is a man bod, you know what I mean? That's the new thing. That's all right. Yeah. We're all right at that stage. But I mean, if someone, if you're trying to explain to a lady there why you've got a bit of a dad bod physique with a larger belly, the last thing you want to say is... I've got schist. Okay. I mean, you, you don't want to insinuate you might have brown I'm guessing. I'm guessing Claude isn't shagging at this point in time. Like, I really don't think. He no, doesn't sound up to it. He sounds very ill. He doesn't sound he is. tip-top. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty bad. He suffers for this as well because he 
um, decides to have like a biopsy to try and see because this skin thing is trying to establish how that's going to work and where they are in the skin and stuff to try and find the adults to see how this is possible. So he had a biopsy and had a huge piece of skin cut off his body with a really deep incision like down to the fat and he did the whole thing without any anaesthetic because he didn't want to oh. disturb the parasites. So well, like he's, he's an incredible father the to these. Still time of day. He's still giving yeah. them the time of day. He spends a lot of time worrying about them. You know when you sit there and 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 you look at someone in, in a relationship and you can clearly see both of them aren't really right for each other. And all we want to <laughs> yeah, say to the a... geezer, all you want to say to the geezer is like, or, or, or girl, and just be like, this isn't right. You know, this isn't, this, should, this shouldn't be happening at this point in time. And, and, and I feel like we need to, someone needs to say to him, like, this isn't good. This is not, not a good relationship you know they're clearly using your body for their own good they're clearly in it for themselves and just just get rid of them just divorce yeah. them move on and to take an even easier to decipher situation where one of them isn't a person who's perhaps a, a bit of an emotional vampire one of them is a parasitic worm <laughs> whose entire purpose is to use your body to reproduce and You've got fucking millions of them in here. <laughs> it takes a bit of a, it takes a bit of a turn here for for Claude. He's pretty sick already, as you mentioned. But this is where like this is the, the coda really of his illness. It gets really bad. He's having the sweats. He's pissing blood. He is bedridden. It's awful. He he has so much pain that it's almost unendurable. He's hardly sleeping because of his bladder is like infected and painful. He's pissing every twenty minutes, and he's. Uh, like his temperature has reached 40 degrees at one point through the night and he realises that this is a really close call he's almost like uh, almost a fatal fever and it's important to know this there were and are treatments available for like schistosomiasis and he decided not to go through with them because he was trying to protect the parasites so that he could be a worm farm he, he was he's the worm envelope to send back to the US I mean, if you were the sort of person to make a committed, like, sacrifice to science, yeah. would you have called time on it at this point? With your, you know, your brown semen. Your... Well, you're talking about, talk, talk about, talking about the brown semen. The, the producer has just come up with a, the brilliant question, which we really need to answer. <laughs> is that he has swollen weepy balls. Like he's, Swollen he's weepy balls, yep. I think that's the best way to describe it medically. He's leaking <laughs> out of his balls. He knows he's got worm eggs in it. He's mm. very, very unwell. How does oh, he he's end hanging up, on by a thread. Yeah. How does he end up working out he has brown semen? I imagine the excuse he used was he was putting <laughs> some ointment onto his weepy balls and he was putting the ointment on vigorously, you know, just to... Put another little bit more ointment on there. Oh no! I'm not sure what's happened here, but there appears to be some brown semen. It's just a... I, it was I, a medical accident. He definitely wasn't just wanking. It just show. It just shows that no matter how ill someone is, a man <laughs> is, they'll still have a wank. I think I know, that's. I think that's what it? this shows. And the thing is. I don't feel... It's a low point I don't, for mankind. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, he's not sitting there. It doesn't sound like so far that we've seen. He isn't eating something, waiting for it to digest a little bit, and then making himself sick to see what kind of, like, you know, uh, uh, a fluid comes out of his mouth. He's not 
blowing his nose loads and seeing what fluid comes out of his nose. He's not pissing loads and seeing what fluid comes out of his piss. But he for some reason knows what fluid's coming out when he ejaculates. He clearly, clearly has an affinity towards wanking. And that's okay. What a man will do in any situation, no matter what, they will have a wank. And Claude is no different. He's a red-blooded no. man. He's, He's doing got his it. Bristol semen chart out just to compare the colours there. That's <laughs> white. That's normal. <laughs> oh, brown. <laughs> it was and it literally. There's a massive chart, white, and it fades all the way to like dark black. And he's got a point yeah. in it. And he's sitting there and just being like, "Huh, murky water." That's where I'm at. Hmm. That's the that's the grade. The grade. What does it mean if it's human? What's murky what does it mean water? If it's still wriggling. It's wiggling around still. <laughs> One of them's made a break for it. Oh, yeah, my sperm are massive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that huge. <laughs> this is the a point in the story though where where things get sad. Unfortunately, oh, Billy the no. baboon at this point. Oh, Billy the baboon. I forgot about Billy. Forgot about Billy at all. Yeah, his insurance policy. His uh, his. His complimentary accompanying flyer. Yeah. So he died of schistosomiasis. Oh. The parasites oh. killed Billy. I think this, combined with the fact that he was now passing 12,000 eggs per day, had blood in his urine and semen, and was the only thing keeping him hanging on was the fact that he may be making great scientific breakthroughs. It's this point again that Claude then decides to maybe pump the brakes. Sorry, did, did you say that Be the Baboon also had blood in his semen? Was that what you just said? Oh, God. I, I, that is a detail that's not included in the story, but oh, I fucking hope he didn't find out. I hope that that wasn't and part I, and of I hope, And the I hope experiment. it was just some kind of, like, chastity belt rather than anything else. Another medical accident. I hope it was. going to put some ointment on Billy here. And, oh, oh. <laughs> So Claude's had enough at this point and gone, this isn't a great disease. This isn't yeah. fun. He's, I mean, he's collected enough eggs, I think, to be fair as well to him. So he agreed now finally to start a course of drugs that would clear the infection. Um, but he returned to Cairo, but was getting no better. The drugs weren't seeming to have an effect. So he then went to an Egyptian hospital, which was a specialist, because the disease is found there. There's a lot of specialists locally who... Um, know more about this disease so they treated him because of how advanced his disease was they treated him with quite a dangerous but powerful treatment they injected him with antimony which is like it's so toxic that if it leaks from the injected vein into the sort of muscular tissue of the limb that it's injected into that limb could be so uh, compromised that it might have to be amputated so this stuff is it rips Jesus. through your vascular system, but if it makes it into your adipose tissue or your muscle muscles, like it, it could f fuck up the whole arm or leg. So this stuff is legit dangerous. So, and it did in fact cause him some problems. It did clear the disease eventually um, after 18 long, miserable months, but it caused him permanent heart damage, which of course floored him for quite some time. So he'd swapped the bloody piss and brown semen for nausea and a hosp long hospital visit, but eventually did get better. Oh, that's great. Pretty heavy, but he was so weakened, he uh, wasn't able to, to carry on doing his experiments. So a colleague of his sort of 
but how old is he at this time because you, you said in about 35 years ago he's followed the worm and stuff like that so he must have been he, he must be in like his late 50s early 60s at this point in time right he, i he would assume so i can't on. remember seeing his uh, date of birth in in the research but if he was studying medicine practicing medicine in fact in 1908 you would assume that this puts him in his 50s at least yeah, yeah. 50s yeah yeah okay so quite you know no spring chicken to be putting himself through no. the ringer here um but he was he was pretty weakened by the treatment really this antimony treatment had, had damaged his heart and he was recovering from you know having these millions of fluke worms making it an exit so a colleague of his um, decided to carry on his work and finish his legacy um, I've already mentioned his discovery that he now discovered that these worms can move through the skin not just through mm-hmm. feces um, but have you any guesses as to what other discoveries he made what other like if anyone maybe took the credit for him because I'm assuming that you like I hadn't heard of Dr. Claude Barlow before this what do you think was his lasting impact on science and human knowledge? Well, uh, I, uh, what, you, you meaning that there's someone that we should know that actually took the credit for this? or, 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 or had Well, he's, put, he's been through a lot, discovery. you know? Yeah, well, yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. through a huge amount for, are you, are you, for, for this. Are you talking about this as kind of like a, this is a kind of a Mary Shelley moment? It would be... Uh, it would be a quite a sadly familiar scientific story if, in fact, all of this work had been done by a lady who got zero credit for it. But no, it's it's pretty tragic. The, um, the researcher who tried to infect the snails with the eggs ferried across by Claude was unable to get the experiment to work. Uh, the larvae and eggs died and then the war ended and all the soldiers came home and there was no problem. And the whole thing was completely pointless. Oh no! And that's it. That's how it ends. No. That's why we haven't heard of this dude because it was totally, oh. totally pointless. So he's sick just... as a dog, brown semen, weepy balls <laughs> for the war effort. So basically, the thing that he was most scared of didn't happen. Basically. So the thing about yeah. all these worms infecting humans, you, the only way to get these things was by physically probably injecting them into you, eating them, or doing something else. Yeah, and he put himself through all this oh, stuff and it all no, took so long. That's the worst. This was 1944, oh, so the war ended Claude. almost immediately. Yeah. Poor Claus. Yeah. Oh, I love this I mean, man. I love him. I could. Oh. I can think of one really, really simple way that he could have conducted this experiment without having to go through all this nightmare, really, of, you know, risking creating a baboon worm monkey semen hybrid or without having to explain to ladies why he had brown semen, all this stuff, without having to inject his heart with, you know, deadly chemicals. Yeah. What if he just ordered a second delivery of snails in the post? What if instead of going back with the worms inside his body, what if he'd just gone over to the Mer- to America, brought snails back with him, just fed them on the way, gave them a yeah. squirt, spritz of water? What was he doing? We there don't... was such an easy... This is like the eagles in Lord of the Rings, man. Yeah. Just go and get some more fucking snails. What are you doing <laughs> making yourself into this, like, 
Worm farm. It's insane. And that's only occurred to me now while I've been telling you the story, by the way. Right. When well, I first read this, it was like, yeah, he's a bit, of a, he's a, bit of a hero. But we don't, we don't, we didn't have back in ninety four like those, those times that like comes kind of those support, twenty twenty in it. The supportive animals that we have now of like bringing on an ostrich and be like, it's my supportive animal. It helps me feel okay. <laughs> uh, we don't have that situation. Emotional um, support snail. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that he would have been able to just bring snails on, on the plane. And but to be fair, we're allowed to bring a fucking baboon. But to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, you just put them in your luggage, wouldn't you? Or something. They'll yeah. be fine. And it's crazy. But I, I look. This man, this man has tried his hardest to try and save millions of people, which ended up not being a thing. So I, I, I love him. Yeah. I love it. what a hero. <laughs> He's just gone out on his own back, yeah. on his own funding, to try and help the world, and just turns out that it's not a thing. So. What a Fair what enough. what balls, eh? What balls on the man? <laughs> what big balls? <laughs> what big balls on the man? Um, and, and do we know how he ended his life at all? Like, did he just just kind of like you know, fade into the failed scientist existence and just? No, I think it, it wasn't because of you know the intention. It wasn't considered to be a, a sort of a pyrrhic exercise or a horrible failure. It was just mm. just a footnote, really. So he carried on being a scientist and that was that he wasn't particularly famous for this but he also wasn't particularly mocked for it either you know what as long as you're okay with this Jacinda Ardern and Claude Barlow are our two favourite people in history because they're both triers yeah I think he deserves that I think he deserves that he's suffered for science and it was for all of us but yeah I endorse that yeah Okay, cool. So Jacinda and Claude, you're the one for us, baby. Okay, thank you very much for joining us again on a brilliant uh, That's News to Me. Um, okay, let's, let's just go over to, to Buster to see what we learnt about this week. If anything, well, as always. Well, if anything, if anything we've learned... what we've learned is that science fails and... What yes. this guy learned was nothing in the end. Never be put off, even if you're pursuing a completely pointless thing. Um, we learned that sometimes you've got to be brave, i.e. have balls, um, weepy balls, to, to achieve things. But I think most important that we learned, sometimes when you have a great, bold, brilliant idea, it's important to step back and wonder whether there's a separate, simpler idea that involves you just posting snails to yourself and not covering yourself <laughs> in dangerous parasites. Yeah. Um, you know, th- there's fast and slow thinking. But if you are the sort of person who's full of bravado and do something like that, you may be remembered for your bravery. And Claude Barlow is one such man. Yes, what a legend. And if you would like to get your uh, weekly dose of good news down to a daily good dose of good news, please follow us on That's News To Me pod on Instagram, where our producer Odin is working tirelessly to, to bring you along the stories that you need. In the meantime, I'll see you in a Senite. Gan canny. <laughs>